think I'm on this time. Yep, that was my bad before. I didn't turn myself on. Turned myself off. Good morning. Welcome. We are carrying on this morning on our on this journey that we're on, seeking God's will for us, for us as a church, for us as Christians. And um, we looked last week at the Great Commission. And as we've been looking at what is the mission that Jesus gave, where our minds often go to the Great Commission and to make disciples. And so we're going to um, kind of carry on with that um, today. And so just this is a kind of a summary statement from last week. I thought I would just remind ourselves of, uh, of our mission. And, and so we put this is what we talked about last week. As you are going, remember Jesus says, go and make disciples. And it's that word go was an as you are going about life. God has placed you exactly. He's sovereign. He knows where you would be. <laughs> and he has placed you there to be disciple makers. And so as you are going about life, you're intentional, intentional about making disciples. And so as you're going about life, be disciple makers. And it's that, I hyphened it because it's one word in the, in the Greek, right? That we are, it's, it's something we do. It's an active thing we're participating in. We are being disciple makers, inviting everyone to follow and to obey Jesus. And so that's what we talked about last week. We talked about just how, if we could say it as simply as we can, that being a Christian means you're a disciple. Like, I thought about it this week as we kind of wrestled with that last week a little bit, but thought about how the word Christian didn't even really come about for a couple decades. They were disciples first, right? Jesus had disciples, and he said, go make more disciples. That's what a Christian was. That was that's what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. They called themselves followers of the way. And I don't know if you knew this, actually, Christian, when it came about, how that came about, it was an insult. And so they were, the, the society around was looking at them, and they said, you guys are just trying to be like little Christs. Like, that's guy, you know, it was an insult. These Christians, you're like Christians. You're just trying to be little Christs. And they were like, exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to be. And so the name stuck. And so that's where Christian came. And uh, so they were called Christians first in Antioch. If you find that in that. We'll get to that next. But uh, um, that's who we are. And so we are disciples first. And as simply as it is, we are disciples of our master. Our rabbi is Jesus. And he made disciples. And this command that he gave was to make disciples. And so as disciples of Jesus, we make disciples. I think it's really that simple, isn't it? That is our mission, and obviously there's a lot to that and how we go about that. Um, and so for this morning, I thought just a little thing before we really get going, if you could take out a piece of paper or you can do it in your phone, but I'd like you to make some notes here. We're going to just take a couple minutes. I want you to think about where is it that, who is it that God has put in your life to disciple? And so there's, there's, there might be a little, I think there's a little paper like that in the, in the chair in front of you if you're looking for just a piece of paper. Or if there's any slip of paper, go right ahead and grab something to write on. Put it in your phone, okay? But I want you to have this so that you can look at it because we're going to, this is as we go today. So, so please do follow along. And so as we talked about making disciples last week, we talked about how making disciples isn't just, um, isn't just bringing someone to salvation. That's part of, that is obviously a, a very important step in making disciples, right? They have to get to that point where they're willing to commit themselves to follow Jesus. We talked about last week, we saw that in, the, in Jesus' disciples, how they, he walks up and they literally leave their livelihood behind, drop their nets, leave their tax booth, and follow him. 
That's, that's the commitment. That's becoming a Christian, right? That's your salvation moment. So discipleship certainly includes that. But discipling, we talked about how it, you know, in the Great Commission it says to teach them to obey everything I've commanded. And so that's ongoing. We all agreed that no one, we didn't feel anybody here had, had mastered that one yet. We, we hadn't mastered obeying everything Jesus had ever commanded. And so that's the journey. And so discipleship is far more than just bringing into salvation. Discipleship is walking alongside people and saying, come, let's follow Jesus. How do we obey what he's commanded? We are followers together. And so we're bringing people along. And so we can do that in a number of ways. So what I want you to do on your paper, I want you to think of who God is asking you to disciple. Because, I mean, again, I go, if you agree, we are disciples and disciples make disciples. It's a command. It's not optional. <laughs> and it's, it's not easy. And so I want us to start with just who has God put in your life? And so maybe to do this, let's just start with kind of close to you and go out as a way. So if you got your paper there, think about your immediate family, your kids. That's one that's been on my mind. How do I disciple my kids to follow and obey Jesus? I want them to grow up following and obeying him. So you can think of your kids or maybe your spouse or someone, your immediate family, a grandchild, a lot of you grandparents. I heard a testimony in the, in the prayer meeting this morning, that idea, that's how, who is God put in your life to disciple? Put down their names, like you put down their names. Go to a little bit more, maybe your extended family a little bit. People, someone in, or, or really close friends, someone you have a really close relationship with, that, that you just, like God has, what, you have an opportunity to speak into their life. You see they're, they're not following or Jesus the way that they should be. And you believe that you have an opportunity. God's put you in their life to be able to disciple them, to help them to, to follow Jesus and to obey. Anybody in your life in that kind of category, close, someone you have a real relationship, close relationship with, kind of that extended family, close friends. Put their names down. Could be someone unsaved, maybe. Maybe you have unsaved family members or friends. <clears throat> maybe that kind of idea, maybe God's given you a mentoring relationship. Somebody you know that's kind of a young, younger man or younger woman or something where you just kind of have this, they seem to look up to you a little bit maybe. And uh, is there somebody in your life like that that, uh, that you can, God's put in your life to disciple, to, to bring along? Or if we think about our location, where has God placed you? Think about your if you're at work or school, um, your, your place, is there anybody, anybody that you interact with in those places that God has put in your life to disciple? Put down their names. Give you a minute. Colleagues, people you'll think, you can think this week, who might you interact with? Who's God bringing you to meet with this week?
those names down. And so I think we're saying we, we know that God has put them in your life to disciple. God's, I just marvel at this, that God's plan, God's sovereign plan, someone was that for you. Someone discipled you. Someone is probably still, hopefully, discipling you and brought you. They were instrumental. God used them to bring you to the place where you are in your faith, right? And so now God has, God's plan, Jesus' plan was to work through you now. You're, he, he's looking to work through and he's put people in your life for you to work through and for you to disciple. Anybody find that easy? No. As you look at that list, those names, I'm sure you put down those names because your heart resonated with that. Your heart went out. Those names are significant to you. Those people mean something to you. They matter to you, right? God's put them in your life. You care. But anybody else feel like, I, 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 I do. I want to see them grow to follow and obey Jesus. But I'm a little lost on how to do that. Anybody else feel that way? All right. Amen. Well, that's what we're going to look at today. That's what I hope we can, um, we can see today. If this John, you can turn in your Bibles now to John chapter 14 that we read earlier. And uh, we're actually going to start at 13 verse 31. So John chapter 13, starting at verse 31. So it's page 896 in the chair Bibles. And uh, how many people brought their Bible? Oh, good job. I was so tempted to do a sword drill today. So you guys are, there's your warning. I'm telling you. It's the easy way for me to see. But please, take out your Bible. Or there's one in the chair in front of you. And I'd, we'd love to give you one. So if you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. Got to hand out one from last week. Someone contacted us and got a Bible. So that, there's one. But we would love to give you a Bible. Um, have your own Bible. Oh, on your phones, if you've, there's an app called Version Bible app. I'm going to plug for it. That one... You can take notes, you can highlight, and our church is in there, and Ernest somehow figured out how to add, like, these sermon notes are in there if you like our church or something, and you can add friends and all kinds of stuff. So if you're looking for a Bible app, U version, the letter U version, Bible app. You can use that this morning, too. too. I'm, I'm cool with that. I like paper, but... All right, so you turn in the Bible. So just before we start reading, I just want us to kind of connect with where the disciples are at, okay? So if you just... Your Bible probably has headings in it, a little in, for sections of scripture. So if you flip back to chapter, just look at the headings starting in kind of chapter 12. You'll see there the triumphal entry, okay? And then chapter 13 that we're in, chapter 13 starts, and it might say something like Jesus washes the disciples' feet. That's what it says in, in, uh, in the one I'm looking at here this morning. So just, let's just remind ourselves, let's put ourselves in the place of the disciples. So those disciples, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were zealots or whatever, right? And Jesus comes along and he says, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men, right? And, come. and so they drop, they literally leave that and they start following this rabbi. They leave their entire old life behind and they're following him as disciples. And that's what we've said we want to be. Christians are disciples. We're following Jesus. And so we, that's our life. We're following him. And so they're following Jesus and, and they just, I mean, they didn't, Jesus says like, I don't even have a place to sleep. You know, it's just come follow me. They don't know what to expect, but they see, think of all they saw miracles and and people being healed lepers the lepers is always the one that i imagine because coming from the mission field we saw leprosy in africa and like 
severe leprosy, you have nothing but nubs for hands. And so, or feet or whatever, you lose all those things. So I just picture, when Jesus heals the lepers, when I read those, I picture like, like, can you imagine? Like, they saw that with their eyes. That's incredible. And so they're, and, and they hear Jesus teaching, and he starts to, conf- you know, Pharisees are coming, and he's just like, his teaching is blowing their minds. They can't refute it. He's expanding, like, explaining what, how the Old Testament, the whole thing was all about him. It was leading to the Messiah. Obviously, the disciples, they end up, you think it's Peter's confession of, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. They believe. So they're, put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They're leading up to this. But remember what Jesus would do during that, it's about three years? He'd heal somebody, he'd be like, don't tell anybody. Okay, go quiet. Don't, don't tell anybody. He'd get this huge crowd, and the crowd would want to start to proclaim him king, and he'd be like, he'd disperse the crowd. He'd sneak away quietly. He'd get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake so they couldn't, right? He's doing all these things. So the disciples are right there with him, and they're just, they, they don't know what's coming. It's like every day is an adventure with God, right? And, but then the triumphal entry, that was a big change point. They get to the triumphal entry, and Jesus fulfills an Old Testament prophet, prophecy. He rides in on a donkey, right, as the Messiah. They're singing a, a psalm about the Messiah, and he's not stopping them this time. And they're basically proclaiming him king, right? That's why they gave him the title king of the Jews on the cross, right? They're proclaiming him king. And the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, don't you hear what they're saying? Tell them to stop. And Jesus is like, I'm not going to tell them to stop. Even if I did tell them to stop, the rocks would cry out, okay? And so just pitch yourself as the disciples. In their mind, everything's been leading to this point. This is what it's all been pointing to. All the, all the miracles and all the teaching and everything is leading to this point where Jesus is finally going to reveal himself as the Messiah. And here they are. He's going to do it on Passover, the biggest celebration of the year. Jerusalem's population, like, 10 times as many people because everybody goes to Jerusalem. The city's buzzing, right? And they're, they're his guys, right? And they walk in with Jesus, and here they are, chapter 13. They sit down at a dinner at this meal, and I'm sure they're thinking, okay, Jesus, what's going to happen tomorrow? You just rode in like a king. You're revealing you're not stopping. This is it. This is what it's all been leading up to. You're going to proclaim yourself Messiah. We're going to, this is the mission. We're going to be right there as you establish your kingdom. I mean, they'd be pumped. And so here they are at the dinner, and Jesus, what does he do? First, he washes their feet, takes the role of the lowest servant, and washes their feet. I don't know, I put myself in the disciples' shoes. I go, okay, I kind of, that's a Jesus thing to do, you know, the greatest will be least, and now, okay, Jesus, yeah. So that, they'd probably be able to wrap their mind around that. And so he washes their feet, and then, and then he says, someone's going to betray me, one of you is going to betray me. Now that, that really befuddles them. They're like, what? Why would... Why would someone, why would one of us betray the Messiah? We've just given up our lives to follow him for three years. Why in the world would any, I mean, look what he's doing. He just rode in like a king. Why would he, and they, they're so confused. John records that, that when Jesus sends Judas out, that they're like, oh, he's probably went and sent him to get supplies or something. They still don't get it, right? So that confuses them. But, but uh, then Jesus says this shocking thing that we're going to start with today, starting at verse 31. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, oh, I lost it. There we go. Um, as soon as Jesus, Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man 
to enter into his glory. And God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives his glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. So, so we know what he's talking about here post, but to the disciples, they, they don't quite get what he's talking about, but Jesus says, okay, at once, so this is going to happen right away, I'm going to enter my glory, God's going to be glorified, God's going to glorify me. We know that that's because Jesus glorifies the Father by being fully obedient and going to the cross, right? We know that he then receives glory because that, that act of, of unconditional love and taking the sin of the world I thought of this verse from Revelation. Um, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 5.12, that's part of the throne room when they see the Lamb at the, in the throne room of God, right? But just, just that glory, right? We understand that to be... So Jesus starts off with that. He goes, okay, the time has come for me to fulfill what the, the Father is asking of me, to go to my death for the sin of the whole world. And God gets glory from that, from that willing submission. And Jesus gets glory for being the one who saves all, everyone. And then he's going to literally enter back into his full divine glory, that that he kind of put aside, Philippians 2. He's going, going to go back to heaven, right? So that, I think the disciples would have maybe had their heads somewhat wrapped around that. But then he says this, Dear children, and you know, why, why do you think Jesus said, Dear children? I, I just picture, have you ever had to tell your kids something really hard? It's like, come here, I got to tell you something. You know, have a seat beside, sit down, you know, have a seat on my knee if they're little, right? I need to tell you something. It's going to be hard for you to hear. That's, that's what I get from that. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I am going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. This is what, remember where, where the disciples' heads are at, right? Okay, this is all leading up. Here we are at Passover. You're going to proclaim yourself the Messiah, establish your, your kingdom. This is it. Last three and a half years, we're leading up to this. And then Jesus is like, okay, I'm going to give you the instructions. It's going to happen at once. Here it goes. I'm leaving what? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like the disciples, and we'll see, that's how Peter reacted. Like, what do you mean you're leaving? Isn't this like, what, what happened to the mission? What happened to the, to the Messiah thing? You know, like, what, what, you're leaving? That doesn't make any sense, Jesus. Where are you going? And you see, that's what, that's what Peter basically says. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you'll follow me later. <laughs> but why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. And, and can, you, can you put yourself, do you get where Peter's at? He's given up his life. He left his nets on the shoreline. He's following Jesus. He's, he's already proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah, right? He's dedicated his life to following Jesus. And then Jesus says, I'm leaving. And he's like, where are you going? I don't get it. Why would you leave? That makes no sense to me, to this mission. I thought we were on this mission. I was going to be with you as you establish your kingdom. And, and Jesus is like, you'll come later. Still confusing for Peter. He doesn't understand it. And he's, I'm ready to die for you. 
I'm ready to, I, I, I've already given up my life. And Jesus, I think that next verse where he says, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. I think what Jesus is basically doing there is he's going, Peter, I know you would die for me, but you don't even know what you're dying for yet. You know, you're going to be so confused in, in just 24 hours. You're going to be so confused, you're going to deny me. I don't think it was because Peter so much lost his courage that he denied Jesus. I think he was just lost. He couldn't understand what was happening. Jesus was going to be crucified. What? I thought you were the Messiah. And so he didn't know what to believe anymore. And that's why he denied him. All right? He's confused, and Jesus is going, you don't understand. So can you kind of feel what the disciples, can you resonate at all with what the disciples are feeling? Right? That I hope you have a heart that wants to follow Jesus. We want to see disciples made. Those, those names on that piece of paper that you know, they're personal to you. You know those people. And I'm sure your heart is, I'll do anything to see them follow you fully. I'll do, I'll do anything. I, I'm willing to do anything if they, to see them follow you and commit their life and obey you. I'm willing to do that, but I'm a little lost. I don't know how to do that. And the disciples are feeling a little bit like, like Jesus has abandoned them. I think, like, you ever ask the question, Jesus, where are you in this? I have the right heart. Why don't I see it, you know? Feel like you're doing it alone. That's where the disciples are at, and, and, and that's why I wanted to do this, this John 14 to 17 that we're going to look at. Look at how it starts. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Does that verse make sense now? Do you get why Jesus started with that? Does that speak to you at all? Yeah. And so these next, those next three, four chapters is Jesus doing this. That's the, that's the introduction to what he's going to say over the next 14, 15, 16, four chapters. <laughs> okay? And so that's what we're going to look at over the number, next number of weeks. And I, and I pray, do you believe that it, it's speaking to us? That in that, those, in the situation where God has placed you, the people he's asking you to disciple, that he's speaking to you, this is going to help us to know how to do that. Amen? All right, then let's, let's see what he has for us this morning. We're looking at the first 14 verses. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way where, to where I am going. So here's the first thing for us. Trust him. He's not abandoned you. Trust him. Right? Trust him. Jesus, remember how he ends the Great Commission, and I will be with you always. Right? He is with us. Trust him. And look at what he cites even in that verse. He cites, trust him. Do we trust him that there is an eternity? You know? 
Remember that. There is an eternity. He does. He's right now. Jesus is preparing a place for you. If you're a disciple, he's preparing a place for you. And he promises here, trust him that he will take you to be with where he is. If you're one of his disciples, he will take you. Trust that. Trust that he is coming back someday. Just like we saw that in week one, right? He, the angels say he's going to come back in the, through the clouds the same way you saw him leave. Right? Trust that he is coming back someday. And that eternal life, that eternity, sometimes we can get so focused in this life and the temporary things, and this helps us to, re, we trust, we remind ourselves that God's vision is so much greater. There's an eternity at stake. And those people, God has put them in your life as part of his eternal plan. And his desire is that they would be with him and with us as disciples, praising God forever. And so Jesus is, is with us always. Trust him. And he ends it there with that, and you know the way I'm going. Well, we'll see a, a series of questions here, and I think we'll be able to relate to some different things from each disciple. So first, Thomas pipes up. He's still wrestling with this, and I think we could, might be able to relate. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We, we have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way if we don't even know where you're going? Right? And I think I was just to sum, sum up where Thomas is at. You know, Jesus has just dropped this bomb on them. I'm leaving. Thomas is still stuck on that. He's like, I don't get it. I think that's basically what he's saying there. That's Thomas's, that's the root of his question. What, Jesus? I, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't get it. I don't get it. Where are you going? How can you say I know the way? I don't even know where you're going. What do you mean I know the way? Like he's just completely confused and lost. <laughs> Anybody sometimes feel that way? Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing right now in this situation. Maybe you're in a situation, you're just thinking, God, where are you in this? What are you doing right now in this situation? I don't know which way to go in life right now. And so Jesus answers him, a very familiar verse. And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, and, and that if you had really known me, it's probably it's about realizing who he is. It might be better translated. Like, if you, if you realized who I am, if you truly, fully realized who I am, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, Thomas. And you have seen him. The next thing for us, helping us out here, point number two, the answers to life's questions are found in relationship with Jesus. Do you see how Jesus worded that? He didn't say, Thomas, I will show you the way, and I'll teach you the truth, and I'll give you the life. Right? No, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, these things are found in relationship with me. And isn't that good for us? Because how many of us know it in our head and yet still don't feel it? How many of us know it in our head and yet we st it still can't make sense of the reality that we're living in, the situation that we're going through? All right? And so what's the answer? Jesus says, first off, you trust in me. Secondly, you go, it, you dive into the relationship with Jesus. 
that's where you, where you go. If you're, if you're wondering, if you're like Thomas and you're going, I, I'm just in a place in life right now, I don't know where to go. I'm confused. I, I don't know which way to go in life. Jesus is saying, press into relationship with me. Talk to me. Get to know me. Pray to me, right? Listen to me. That's what Jesus is saying. It's found these answers to life and what to do and what to do to, to disciple the people on your paper there is to press into relationship with him. He's the way. When you're lost, you think of what, when we need to have, find the way, when we feel lost, we're searching, maybe lost in terms of your purpose or meaning in life, kind of searching for that. I feel a little lost there. Maybe you feel lost, trapped in circumstances some situation that you're in, enslaved to sin, and you're looking for a way out, right? Jesus is saying, I am the way. It's through relationship with me. I am the way, and he's the way to the Father, the way to eternal life, John 3.16. He's the truth. He's the answer to all life's questions, isn't he? Right? If you're, maybe if you're in a situation where you're looking for for direction, trying to figure out, trying to make sense of something that's confusing. Where do you find truth? It's in relationship with Jesus is where you can find truth. We know as Christians that there's a greater purpose. That truth that Jesus, the relationship with Jesus is what gives us a greater purpose in this life. You know, our jobs are more than just to make money and, and put food on the table. There's a, there's a bigger reason that God puts you there. There's an eternal purpose that he has for you in your workplace. The talents that he's given you isn't just to have fun, right? He's given you as Christians, we know there's a truth. That re- the truth of the relationship with Jesus says there's, there's a reason he made you just the way you are and gave you those gifts and talents for something greater, something eternal. Even the pleasures and the joys in life are more than just that temporary experience it's so that we can give glory to God. Right? To know him better. And he's the life. And that's that eternal life. Right? He says, no one gets to the Father but by me. Of course, he is, it is only through his death and sacrifice that we find salvation. But I think it's more than that. Or uh, on top of that, it is also the relationship with God is through Jesus. Right? That is, it's an ongoing relationship. We're talking about discipleship being not something, not just getting to that salvation point, which only is possible by Jesus' death and resurrection, paying for our sin, right? But then it is life with him. He's the mediator, right? It says in Hebrews, between God and men. Amen? And so it is relationship with him. He is the life. We, we live, he gives us that eternal life. We read John three sixteen. it's not just a one-time Yes, we're guaranteed eternal life there, but then we live in that, right? We're aliens and strangers, Paul says, right, in this world because we're already living our, our eternal life out right now until that day, yeah, we fall asleep at some point and wake up with him, right? We're, we're living that eternal life right now. That's the life and life abundant. That's the life that's found only in him. And so... Now Philip's going to ask a question. So point two, so we trust in God. Wherever you're at when discipling the people on that paper, we trust him. He hasn't abandoned us. There's an eternity that he's preparing 
for us and for those that he's put in your life. He's found the answers to all the struggle. Just press into relationship with him. That's where you'll find that. Not in a book. Well, in this book. And then Philip asks the question. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. What's the root of Philip's question? I think at the root of Philip's question, it's he wants something tangible, right? He wants to experience something. He wants something, okay, Jesus, I'm hearing you, you know, but could you just, I'm trying here, I'm trying to grasp it. Can you, can you show me something? Can you manifest something? Can you make me feel something tangibly? Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. I've heard some of your testimonies where God's done that. God does do that for us sometimes, where he gives us a real different things and reveals and manifests in some way, and those are powerful. But that's not what our faith rests on, right? And that's how Jesus is going to respond here. God does those things for our benefit, and we can just praise him for it. But look at how he responds. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? kind of that same, I realized who I really am fully. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now listen to this. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. Do you see that? What does he point to? He goes, you, you've seen stuff, Philip. You've seen me do miraculous things. And those, those got you all excited for a little bit. But look at where you're, you know, you're still kind of confused. Yeah, God does those things. You can believe, at least believe. You've, you've benefited, Philip, but you actually got to see a lot of that. But that's not the norm. Believe, don't you see? Believe on my words, right? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does the work. You want to see God working? Look at how he's changing lives. Look at how his word is speaking truth and, and what the, the effect it has if people will obey it and follow it. That's what you can always look to. There's a foundation for your faith that you can always go to. You can't live on just experiences all the time. They're great when they happen. God does that in his timing and his sovereignty, but you can't base your faith on that. You base it on God's word. And you can always go back to that as a foundation. He carries on, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my my name, and I will do it. And so the third point here, God works through us to change lives by his word, and the work of the Holy Spirit. Amen? God, God may choose to do miraculous things, and it's not bad to ask for that, right? But that's not our call. We can't coerce that or create it. God, what he has asked us to do is he has given us his word, and he has given us the Holy Spirit to work through us. And we submit ourselves to that. We surrender. We say, God, we're open to, for you to use us. You do the miraculous. I love a, we'll get to it, but Acts 4 you know, the disciples pray and they go, they go um, send the Holy Spirit, give us boldness to preach your word while you stretch out your hand for signs and wonders and those things. Um, that kind of an idea, okay? That's the calling Jesus is putting in. That's how he responds to Philip. 
And we see that play out, like I just mentioned in Acts, from the first thing, right? He, he calls the disciples, he says, wait in the upper room until the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit comes, and he does manifest in a way, gives them speaking in other languages. And Peter goes out, and it draws a crowd, and he preaches his first sermon. And 3,000 people are saved in that first sermon. And so this line here where Jesus says, you're going to do greater works than I, that was fulfilled on day one. As far as we know, we don't have a record of 3,000 is more than Jesus saved or made disciples in his whole ministry, earthly ministry, right? Obviously, Jesus is still working through Peter, but Jesus chooses his greatest work. The start of that was that first sermon, 3,000 people, more people than Jesus did in his whole ministry, Jesus working through the disciples on day one, and it just multiplied from there. And here we are standing today, 2,000 years later, in a continent the other side, two billion Christians, you know, amen. And so that's what he's talking about. And he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Don't forget that the other part, it says, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. It's connected. How do we bring glory to the Father? By being obedient to his will, by being obedient to make disciples. And so it doesn't mean that if you ask for a Ferrari, he's going to give you one, right? This is, those things are connected. Ask me for anything that will help to make disciples, right? And I will do it. I'm in the business of making disciples. And I've given the Holy Spirit, and we'll see that next week. If we had a couple more hours here this morning, we'd roll right into it, because it's all one speech. But we'll have to break it up into sections. But you can read on. You can read on this week and see that. What does he want to do through us? And so to close, I just want to jump back one last point to chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. The disciples kind of jumped past this, I think, because they were a little too shocked by Jesus saying he was leaving them. But let's not, let's not miss it. Jesus said, so now I'm going, or now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Loving one another. That's the... Love is foundation, is the foundation of being a disciple who makes disciples. Right? That's the foundation. And so if we're asking ourselves, you're, you're going to go into your week, and I encourage you to pray for those people by name. Ask God to give you an opportunity to share something. Look for where God's working in their heart. Right? And where do you start? How do you know where to even start with discipling the people that are on your list? It starts with loving them. You think Jesus, back in Matthew 22, Jesus gives the great commandment. And he says, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets are built on this. In other words, all those other commandments and teachings that we're, that we're supposed to obey and teach others to obey, they're all built on loving God and loving others. Right? They're all built on that. We, we know that from, you think of the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, you always hear it at weddings, right? What does that say? It lists all these incredible things, these virtues and these things that we're to do as Christians, and it's all just a clanging gong if it's not built on love, right? Not done in love. In our Colossians series, we read that verse. It's been in my mind. Um, love that binds everything together. 
binds everything together. It's like it's the glue. It's the oil in the engine for you guys, right? Or there might be some girls who like engines. Um, but that's the, that's the love, right? It's what binds it all together. In, in, in Revelation 2, Jesus is writing the letters to the churches, and he confronts the church in Ephesus. And he says, he, he commends them for, for standing strong on the truth and not getting led astray, astray by false doctrine and all this stuff. And then he says, but I got one thing against you. You've lost your first love. Repent, he says. Repent and return to the things you did at first. It's built on love. And so this week, ask again, who's God put in your life to disciple? I hope you have some names there. Pray for them by name. Look for opportunities. Ask God to give you opportunities to speak to them um, or to give you the words to say, to know how. Trust that Jesus is with you and wants to work with you to make disciples. He's not leaving you out on your own. He's giving you the Holy Spirit. And then press into Jesus. Press into that relationship. Ask him to give you a genuine love for him and for others, for the people on that list. A genuine love and compassion for each one. Um, we're uh, we're going to sing the last song here. The prayer team will be up here um, after, and uh, you're welcome to come up. If, if God's saying something to you and you're looking and asking you to take a step of obedience, if there's something really clear from this morning where he's saying, I'm asking you to do this, maybe it's somebody on that list, you know God's been telling you for a while, you're supposed to do this forgive them, go to them, say this, call it whatever, and it's hard. And you want to make a commitment this morning to say, I'm going to, before God, I'm going to do this. I encourage you to come up and pray with somebody. It's an act of, sometimes we need to get our, drag our own butts kicking and streaming up to, and to make a commitment, right? Our own selves. And there's a way of doing that. You can come up and they'll pray with you and talk with you. Um, or if, I've, we've been speaking to, to disciples this morning. We're looking for our mission as a church, but maybe you're sitting there and you're not a disciple of Jesus and you're wondering how to do that and you want to, you want to become a follower of Jesus. You want to know that life and that way and that truth and it's found in Jesus. If that's you, I encourage you to come up and somebody will pray with you and uh, answer your questions. Um, we'd love to get you a Bible, like I said. I'm going to pray and then the praise team will come up. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that you... You are with us. If we're willing to um, open our eyes, to surrender ourselves, to, to, to submit to your leading, um, you are there. You are with us. You want to see disciples made. And your plan is to work through us. And so give us tender hearts. Give us um, a love for you that our commitment um, to make disciples and to be a disciple and to obey you wouldn't come from anything religious or, or from just rules, Lord, but it would flow out of a love for you. And then, Lord, help us to love those that you've put in our life, to genuinely care for them and want what's best for them, Lord. Give us